Red Apple Media Podcast Network presents This is Protecting America. Now, here's Emmy-winning journalist Rita Cosby. And welcome to another edition of Protecting America. I'm Rita Cosby. Crime is skyrocketing across this country, and in many key political races, it is the top or one of the top issues for voters with elections right around the corner. And joining us now to discuss what we can do to change this disturbing trend and how important it is to support our men and women in blue is Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith. She is a spokesperson with the National Police Association, a retired Chicago area police officer, also a police trainer, and an expert on security. Sergeant, thanks so much for being with us. Rita, thanks for having me. You know, this is just, it's an important time for this issue. You know, every safety and security is on everyone's mind in the United States and and it is should not be a political issue, but unfortunately, it's morphed into that over the last few years. Yeah, are you surprised how political it has become because I agree with you, it should be an American issue. I mean, we all should care about safety and supporting our law enforcement. Are you surprised how divided and the different answers from parties I really am. I was just talking to a girlfriend of mine, another retired sergeant from my agency, and we were talking about how when we were when we were police officers, you didn't talk about politics and you just did your job and we didn't get involved in each other's political issues. And and I'll tell you when I was a cop, I had to go and stand on a on a line and protect the neo-Nazis while they protested and and we had to protect, you know, pro-abortion and anti-abortion people. And that's what we did because we didn't get involved in your politics. And yes, we all had our own political opinions, but we kept those in our private lives. Now, really since the Obama administration, it has become so political and the support of law enforcement has become so politicized where you can't even display a thin blue line flag or a back the blue sticker on your vehicle without getting accused of being some right wing nut. It's incredibly frustrating and it's so wrong. Why do you think there is this division now and why do you think it started at that moment? What kind of changed everything? Really what changed everything was during the Obama administration was the beer summit when Barack Obama stuck his nose into what was just a police issue when he talked about his friend, the professor, you know, and said the police acted stupidly. And that started it all. Now, I will tell you, I was a cop in Illinois. Barack Obama was my senator. He didn't like law enforcement then. He was not a big fan of law enforcement. He passed two laws in Illinois. He passed partial birth abortion, and he passed a racial profiling law to try and prove that Illinois law enforcement was racist. He was really focused on law enforcement. When he became president, and remember, he talked and talked about how he was going to bring everybody together. Within months, he was attacking law enforcement, and it just went from there. And then, you know, we got to 2014, the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson, and he tried to really make hay out of that. And even Eric Holder's Department of Justice determined that Michael Brown was not wrongfully shot by police, that that was a righteous police shooting. By then, it was too late. 
It was too late. All the lies, all the vilification, you know, what we call now the war on cops was already in full swing. And then, of course, we hit 2020 and George Floyd. And now we have this constant vilification of American law enforcement officers, and it's getting us killed. What is the sentiment among police officers when they hear these politicians who say defund the police or vilify police just in so many different levels, whether it's verbally, whether it's financially? How did they get through this? You know, as a cop, you're used to, say, you know, people saying, you know, bad things about you and wrong things about you. So, you know, partially there's kind of an eye roll like, oh, here we go again. But the problem is now is that you have district attorneys and state's attorneys in various states and counties around the nation, like Cook County, Illinois and Los Angeles. And, of course, Manhattan and the Seattle area where you have these prosecutors who are working not toward making the streets safer by putting criminals in jail, but trying to indict police officers simply for doing their jobs. And I mean, there are countless stories we saw after the George Floyd riots in Atlanta, Georgia. We had two police officers that were attacked by a guy they were trying to arrest. He stripped them of their taser. And when he tried to taser one of the police officers, he shot and killed him. And for two years, those two officers had to live under this shadow of getting indicted and wondering if they're going to go to trial. All those charges have now been dropped. So many of these infamous cases where they say the police officer wrongly killed someone, they quietly go away once they're investigated. So that's the problem that we're having with recruiting and retaining police officers is police officers now see that this vilification is leading to not just people attacking us, but our district attorneys and state's attorneys trying to wrongly imprison us. In other words, they're taking away our due process. Everybody in this country deserves due process. And police officers were part of that. We get due process, too. But there are people who want to strip us of that. Explain also qualified immunity and the role that that plays, because that's a big issue. It is a big issue. And when you listen to activists, what they say is, well, cops use qualified immunity to go out and be bad cops. All qualified immunity is a protection that when I go out and do my job, I am safe from frivolous lawsuits if, and this is a big if, if I am following the policies of my police agency. So if I'm doing everything right and doing what my agency trained me to do, I can't be involved in these frivolous lawsuits because what happens is, is, and every police officer in the country knows this, we all have to have special insurance that protects our home and protects our assets because people will sue us for frivolous things. You know, you handcuffed me and I got a scratch, so I'm going to sue you. Qualified immunity protects me from having to personally pay for these civil lawsuits. Because if I had to pay for every frivolous lawsuit that I'm involved in, I'll go do something else for a living because it's financially unsustainable. Yeah. And the fact that they have to worry about their livelihood, they also are worried about their security. I mean, so many times you see them putting out the, you know, police officer's address. You saw that even with some celebrities. Remember, it was, who was it? LeBron James who put out a mm -hmm. picture. Here's this person's next. It's outrageous. 
Well, and that's one of the things my husband and I are police trainers. We travel all over the country. And that's one of the things we talk to police officers about is the very real danger now of getting docs, of someone putting out your public information. Because, again, during the George Floyd riots, we had Antifa and Black Lives Matter activists going up to police officers and saying, I know who you are. I know where you live. I know where your kid goes to school. I know where your wife works and threatening them. And I mean, the internet's the internet. Anybody, you can find uh, pretty much anybody's address on the internet, but there are things that police officers and famous people can do to remove some of their information on the internet. But it is not uncommon for a police officer now in the United States to get involved in a righteous officer-involved shooting. And before that officer gets home from the hospital or from work, there are people picketing, threatening their children, defacing their cars. It's absolutely frightening. These days, when a police officer gets involved in an officer-involved shooting, their family has to go somewhere else until they feel it's safe and the investigation is conducted. That's not how we should be treating the heroes, the men and women of law enforcement. Absolutely. And how tough has that made the job? How much more complicated and more dangerous has that made the job? And also looking over your shoulder, worried about all these elements, you should be focused strictly on obviously what you have to do day to day. How much more difficult and just strain on the officers is this putting? Well, police officer mental health is a huge topic. And this, the kind of stress where you have to worry about you know, not just getting shot, stabbed, run over. You also have to worry about, is my family safe? Am I going to get ambushed? Officer ambushes are up 150%. And then the mental health issues with having, you know, turning on the news and opening the newspaper and reading the news on your phone and seeing that, you know, oh, police officers are terrible. They're racist. They're killers. They're, we should defund them and eliminate them and reimagine them. All of that adds up to a mental health crisis in this profession where, Rita, and I don't think a lot of people know this, police officers right now die two and a half times more often by our own hand as we do by felonious assault. In other words, we are killing ourselves twice as often and more as the bad guy is killing us. That's a horrible statistic. And it's something that we're trying to do something about in this profession. But suicide, addiction, a divorce, that's all part of this stress that you're talking about. And it's very difficult. Yeah, 1000%. And with the political climate, it just, I can't even imagine just how strenuous. The other thing, too, is I think when we hear Betsy, all of these different defund the policers with the sort of loud choir that we're hearing from a lot of politicians right now. I wish more of the ones who maybe are in the moderate lane and certainly obviously pro-law enforcement, as I think everybody should be, I wish they could overpower them. I wish they could outspeak them, if you will. Mm -hmm. Are you frustrated that there still seems to be in the middle of skyrocketing crime, all these other problems, there are still people who somehow stand by, hey, let's defund police. I mean, that's not the kind of world I think we want to live in. No, it's not. And you still, you know, now you're hearing, you know, some politicians trying to walk back that defund the police stance that they have been talking about for the last two and a half years. You know, I mean, we even saw that with President Biden. But here's the thing. They're not particularly sincere about it. 
And the other thing that needs to happen is those, like you said, those moderate politicians or even those pro-police politicians, they need to get louder. We need every pro-police politician to use whatever bully pulpit they have to be loud and proud about their support for American law enforcement. And that's not happening often enough. I mean, you know, you can think whatever you want to think about President Trump, but that guy was very open and very loud about his admiration and his support for American law enforcement. We need so many more people like that. And we also need police leaders to stand up especially police chiefs, and loudly talk about how much they support their police officers. The silence is deafening. And police officers know when you're working for someone who doesn't support you or doesn't talk about how much they support you, you know, that's why we have a retention crisis in American law enforcement. We have, you know, NYPD is down 2,000 officers. Seattle is down 500. I could go on and on and on. We are not replacing those people that are leaving with new hires at the rate that we need to be, because who wants to do this job? That's exactly the issue. How complicated is it? Because the pay, they don't do it for the pay. People draw yeah, law enforcement. Rich. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they joined it because they really have a mission. They really have a motivation. And do you still see that in some people, despite all of these hurdles? We do. And we're so fortunate, my husband and I, because we get to travel around the country and talk to cops all over this nation. And exactly the word that you just said, mission, is something that we talk about in our training classes, because we all have that sense of mission. Nobody's doing this to get rich. So why are we doing it? Because we want to protect our communities. We care about this country. We care about people. You know, these are truly men and women who are willing to put their life on the line for their citizens. Look at these two cops in Newark, New Jersey, that both just got shot a couple of days ago. Both of those cops have less than two years on the job. And here they're out there doing a shooting, you know, they're an investigation of another shooting. They run into a guy, he shoots both of them. One officer's out of the hospital, another will be out soon. But these are young people that are out there in a dangerous community protecting their citizens. And this is what we see all over the country. But we've got to make the law enforcement profession attractive to a wider audience, if you will, now. And we, the way to do that is to stop with the vilification, stop with the false narrative that somehow American law enforcement are the danger to our communities. We're not the danger. You know, we're the heroes. We're the people that are trying to stop this horrific crime wave that we're all living through right now. Also, how tough is it on the flip side that you're seeing these criminals, repeat offenders, come in and out? It's like a revolving door. You know, the cop seems to be getting vilified, and yet the criminal in many ways seems to be getting coddled. I can't tell you how frustrating it is for law enforcement officers in this country to, and I got to tell you, even back in the 90s and the 2000s when I was on the job, you know, if we would arrest people and they would have a criminal record, a rap sheet, if you will, you know, longer than I am tall, 
And that's not untypical. You know, you hear these when you talk about criminal justice reform, you always hear these stories. Oh, there's some guy and he's in prison for 20 years because he had a bag of weed. That's just not true. You know, people commit offense after offense after offense before they ever go to prison. Now what we're happening with bail reform and the de-incarceration of the criminal class is you are seeing people, and, and we all see it in the news almost every night, these criminals that have these lengthy criminal histories that have been in the system for years, if not decades, committing felonies. And yet they're still out and about. And that is so that weighs on the soul, quite frankly, of the American law enforcement officer, because we endanger ourselves. We spend a lot of time putting together good cases and things like that to take to our district attorneys. And yet very often these criminals are right back on the street before we finish our shift. And that is incredibly frustrating because if you, I mean, think about it. If you don't feel like you're being effective in your job, why would you continue to do it? And that's why we're losing people in this profession, the profession that we, we need. You know, we talk about the American military. And, of course, I come from a military family. And, you know, the American military is why we're free. The American law enforcement officer is how we stay free. And and people who don't feel safe in their communities, in their place of work, in their car when they're out driving around are not truly free. What keeps people free? American law enforcement. We got to let cops be cops. We got to let cops do their jobs. One thousand percent. What do you want the American public to know about law enforcement, too, and the importance and what they can do? What can the average citizen do? You know, I always try to do it, Betsy, by broadcasting stories and sharing stories. I also, by the way, if I see a law enforcement officer and I'm walking down the street, it doesn't matter what city I'm in or what country I'm in, for that matter, I will stop and I will say thank you. I'll shake their hand. I've bought a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of cups of coffee uh, just to give them a hug sometimes. What are things that, for people listening, what can they do to make a difference and to make our law enforcement feel appreciated? Well, and you just said one of the best things that you can do. I can't tell you, and I did this for 29 years, what it means when you have had just a horrible day or you went to a horrible call where a child died or a terrible accident and and then to be trying to grab a cup of coffee and have somebody come up and say, thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for what you're doing. You know, just a smile and a wave just can make a cop's whole day. So, you know, just... Make sure that you're making that eye contact and waving at them. But then there's other things you can do, like volunteer at your police department. You know, go to your local police department, see if they have volunteer opportunities. Go attend a citizen police academy. And, of course, you can go to our website, nationalpolice.org. That's what the National Police Association is all about. We're not a union or an association for police officers. We're an organization that helps our citizens understand what you can do to help your local, your state, and your national law enforcement. We get involved in legal cases to help out police officers. We will do things like, you know, give out a grant so your local canine can have a bulletproof vest. And we have thank you letters that you can download on our website and send to your local police department. Find out about events that are happening. 
So there is so much that people can do to help American law enforcement. We have public service announcements that you can look at on our YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and look for the National Police Association, where we try to get people to understand. If you see a law enforcement officer in a fight, you may need to, you know, don't just sit there and video. Call 911 or ask the officer if they need help. You know, let's talk about traffic stops. Let's talk about all the things that police officers do. We have public service announcements that you can show your friends, that you can put on your Facebook page or on your Twitter feed to help your friends help us fight the false narrative. And that's the number one thing that citizens can do. Help us fight the false narrative. We have lots of articles on our website where you can find out what the real statistics are, what cops really deal with. And know that we are not a bunch of racist killers or all these other things that you hear about it. The facts are the facts. And the facts say that American law enforcement officers are doing their jobs. They're doing it well. Just let us do it. One thousand percent. And I am always so grateful for law enforcement and so appreciative. And I can't imagine America or any city in this country without law enforcement there on the front lines protecting all of us. Everybody, be sure to download and share this podcast and also to get more information, as you just heard, nationalpolice.org. Sergeant Betsy Brantner-Smith, thank you for all you do to keep us safe. And thank you for talking to law enforcement and citizens across this country about the value of law enforcement. It's so great to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. And we sure appreciate your support, Rita. And everybody, I'll be back soon with another great edition of Protecting America. And of course, you can catch me every weeknight, 10 p.m. to midnight on the legendary WABC Radio. This is Rita Cosby, and thanks for all you do to protect America. America.